0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Bad loss by the Eagles yesterday, 27-24 to the Detroit Lions at the Link. Eagles fall to 1-2 and on the season. So many mistakes, but I got the perfect guy to break it down. The Hall of Famer, Ray Dininger of WIP and NBC Sports Philadelphia. Ray, thanks for joining me. Good morning. What were your main takeaways from yesterday's loss?
0: Uh, boy, where do you begin? Um... So many missed opportunities, uh, and uh, and really a loss that you could not afford uh, because on Thursday the Eagles have to play Green Bay out in out in Green Bay where you know they they've never lost a Thursday night game at Lambeau and they're red hot right now they're three and zero so uh, the Eagles have to regroup in a hurry or else come Friday morning they're going to be one and three uh, and it's going to be a long long way to dig your way out of the NFC East with the way the Cowboys are playing so. This was a you know i didn 't see this one coming i don 't think many people saw this one coming i you know there are no games in the nFL that are easy uh, but this is one that I thought that all the matchups kind of favored the Eagles even in their somewhat depleted state i mean i know they 're missing some of their key players and they 've got a few guys who are playing who aren 't quite hundred percent right now, but I really thought playing at home against the, the lions this is a game the eagles could could win uh and and they should have uh, they had their opportunities and the fact that they're here one and two today it's really it's all their fault
1: well yeah I think I think all the mistakes speak for themselves I mean they they only lost by three points they turned the ball over two times they had three fumbles two of them for losses they had so many drops uh, they had so many uh, instances where they left receivers open they didn't get a pass rush there were so many different things and yet they only lost by three points and had two drives at the end to where they could have gone ahead or tied the game, and it, it just it, it didn't work out for them. So, like, one of the things that, that you brought up last week was special teams and how you thought special teams was going to be a big thing that would work in the Eagles' favor considering how poorly Detroit played in that phase of the game. So how surprising was it to you that Agnew had a 100-yard touchdown return for a kickoff and also the Malcolm Jenkins block in the back after the great block field goal, that debatable call. What did you make of those instances?
0: Well, yeah, that's that's the Lions special teams there. Uh I mean they had the, the great return early, uh that was the Eagles' fault, their coverage was poor, the guys got out of their lanes and uh, wound up getting a uh touchdown return on them. That's that's their fault, that's poor execution. But then at the end of the game, when they had a, when the Lions were in a position to really put the game away with a field goal, you saw how bad their special teams are. They let Malcolm Jenkins come through on block, and he gets the block that, uh, that at the time, when Rasul Douglas picks it up and returns it, it looks like the Eagles are at the very least going to kick the tying field goal and take it to overtime, but more likely take it in and win. And everybody's going to walk away and just sort of wipe their brow and say, boy, okay, we didn't play well, but we got that win. I mean, that's what everybody was thinking when Rasul Douglas has got that ball and he's returning it down the field. So, yeah, I mean, I I remember having my discussion with you before the game previewing and saying, well, the Eagles special teams, that's an area where the Eagles have a huge advantage in this game because the Lions special teams have been so bad this season, and actually even going back to last season. uh, I did not foresee the the kickoff return touchdown, but when you don't execute and you don't tackle and guys don't play out their responsibilities, that's what's going
1: to happen. Did you agree with the block in the back on Malcolm? Do you think that that was a ticky-tack call, or was it the right, right call by the referees?
0: Uh, I think, I, as, the, as the rule is written, it, it was a block in the back. Uh, but I think that there's a common sense element to it that, to me, that block didn't have anything to do with Douglas's return. If, if, if that kind of block actually springs a guy for a long return then I think yeah, that's when you throw the flag. But to me, that guy was pretty much out of the play. Uh, I don't think he was going to, he certainly wasn't going to make the tackle. Uh, and when, if an official, if you see that, I think at that point you just kind of use common sense. and You say, well, that didn't really have anything to do with Douglas's return. I'm just going to let that one go. <clears throat> but early in the season, um, officials, I mean, they've been throwing flags all over the place. I mean, you look at, the, I think, the uh, total number of penalties being called, not just in Eagles games, but across the board is up more than 50% over where it was last year. Officials are throwing flags on everything. So they threw the flag on this one. I wouldn't have, because I don't think it really was that important a factor in the return. But is it a penalty? Yeah. If you just go by the definition of the rule book, it probably was.
1: What did the Eagles do wrong on their last two drives? They had great chances to, to, like I said, to try to tie or go ahead. And they just, they didn't really have anything going on either of those possessions.
0: Yeah. Um, Drops mostly. It was just poor execution. Uh, I mean, you had uh, 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 Hollins had the one drop. Ertz had you know Ertz had a ball that I mean he could have caught. It wasn't an easy catch, but it was a drop. Uh, Hollins certainly had a drop, and then you had the the very last play, which is to the rookie J.J. J whiteside and even though it's not an easy catch because the Detroit player was right there and actually did get a piece of the ball. It does hit him in the hands, uh, and it's probably a ball that should have been caught. I mean, it's, it's, it seems a little harsh to call it a drop, but the fact is, and even he said after the game, "That's yeah, that's a ball I've got to catch, and they didn't, but that was symptomatic of the whole game. I mean, there were so many missed opportunities here, and once again, they, they come out on the minus side of the turnover ratio. They gave the ball away twice in this game. Could have easily been three. I mean, Sanders fumbled twice. His teammates bailed him out the one time. But that's uh, one, if there's one constant throughout the NFL every week. You wind up talking about giveaways and takeaways. You wind up talking about how turnovers, how turnovers win and lose games, and it's certainly true in this one. I mean, if you look at the statistics, the Eagles had almost 100 more total yards. They were better in the red zone. They scored on three of their four red zone opportunities. They were better on third down. They converted more than half of them. They won time of possession. Uh, I mean, those are all winning numbers, typically. But what will override it is if you turn the ball over, and the Eagles did twice, in this game, and that combined with the drops was enough to cost them a game that they absolutely should have won.
1: Why did the drops keep happening? It's, it's it happened in the loss to the, the um it happened in the loss to the Falcons, and it happened yesterday. I, I mean I get it. Deshaun and Alshon aren't there, but still, you figure that, that Nelson is, is a is a capable wide receiver. That although he's a rookie, JJ Whiteside' Whiteside's a capable wide receiver, and Matt Collins too. You have the all these drops are how? Why do they keep ha- happening?
0: Um, well, I think probably the, you know the two young players are probably pressing a little bit, uh, and uh, you know our Sega Whiteside is is a rookie, uh, making his first start. I'm sure he felt a little pressure. Uh, Hollins is uh, has been with you for a couple of years, but he's never he's been more a special teams player than he's been a regular receiver. So there's there's pressure on those guys to try and make the plays when they have the opportunities. Um, I mean, they're backups for a reason. They're not as good as the guys playing ahead of them. Uh, and I think that sometimes, if a team gets into a pattern like this, where you have drops, guys are dropping balls, drops lead to more drops. I think it becomes, I think it becomes kind of almost epidemic that you have a couple bad plays, you have a couple drops, and then the guys start to press a little bit more. And you know, and Aguilar, you know, Aguilar had a big third down drop early in the game, uh, and uh, then he had the one play where he catches the ball and tries to turn it upfield to get more yardage, and he winds up fumbling the ball away. So. Um, I mean, this was just a game of just poor execution. And, you know, I I don't want to keep tracing it back to training camp uh, and the lack of playing time in the preseason. But, you know, this team right now just looks real sloppy. I mean, even the one game they won against the Redskins, they played really poorly in the first half, pulled it out in the second half. But we're three games in now, and the execution is just just not there. I mean, we haven't seen this team come close to playing a four-quarters game, you know, where they've played the full 60 minutes and played it well. Uh, and boy, uh, it, they're going to have to do that to have any chance to win on Thursday because the Green Bay Packers right now are, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing really well. Their defense is playing better than it's played in years. Uh, and you're playing them in Green Bay. This is going to be a really, really steep mountain to climb.
1: Are you concerned about the rookies, Miles Sanders and Arthago Whiteside?
0: Um, I'm more concerned about Sanders, uh, because I, I, think they're both, I think they're both very good players. I mean, I, I saw enough of them in college, and I saw enough of them in training camp to recognize, no, they have the ability to be good NFL players. Not just guys that are going to be on your roster, but guys that are going to be difference-making players. They're, they're that good, I believe. Uh, but they're going through a tough period of adjustment. And um, Sanders concerns me a little bit more because if you saw the interviews with him after the game, it, it's obvious that he's, really, uh, he's hurting right now. Uh, I don't mean physically hurting, but I mean uh, psychologically, mentally, he's hurting right now, Uh, because he knows he's capable of playing better. Uh, He hasn't performed well to this point. Yesterday, he made a couple big plays, but then gave them back with the turnovers. And that was the one issue he had coming out of college, was he did have trouble holding on to the football. And for all of his talent, and and believe me, he's got a lot of it, if he doesn't learn how to hold on to the football, then he's not going to play a whole lot in the NFL, because that's... That's paramount. I mean, all the guys that come into this league, running backs, if you got ability, that's fine. But the one thing you got to do is you got to hold on to the football because, as we said just a few minutes ago, turnovers are what lose games in this league more than anything else. And he's got to lick that to become the kind of player he's capable of
1: being. Defense isn't getting to the quarterback. They're also giving up big third downs, leaving wide receivers open. How surprised are you by their play?
0: Um, I, I thought the defense would uh, be... I didn't. I didn't see this as a dominating kind of defense that was going to come in and just shut people down. Uh, I thought it was going to be a defense that would make give up some plays and give up some yards, but you know, win games by being good in the red zone and limiting the other team in terms of points. And they've kind of done that to some extent. But the two things that are really obvious to me is they just can't. They can't generate a pass rush with their front four. You know, Fletcher Cox yesterday goes the whole game and doesn't even have a tackle, much less a sack. Uh, it's very hard for this team defensively to dominate an opponent if Fletcher Cox isn't a, a dominating kind of player. And he has not been to this point. Uh, but again, no pressure, no sacks on the quarterback. And sometimes, and Jim Schwartz says this all the time, and he's true to a point, is that sacks aren't necessarily the be-all and end-all. If you get a couple sacks in the game, that's okay. But what you really need is continuous pressure. That whether you get sacks or not, just be always on top of the quarterback. Just hurry in them throwing the timing off, making them aware that the pressure is there. Well, you're not even getting that. You're not getting sacks, and you're not getting pressure. And it's much too easy for quarterbacks to play. certainly was easy for Matthew Stafford yesterday. And so the the lack of a pass rush is really crippling for this team. And it leads to situations like yesterday where twice now in this game the Eagles would score a touchdown, and the Lions would get the ball back, and they would take it right back down the, the field and score on top of you. Can't do that. Good defenses don't do that. Good defenses. if the offense scores and they get you a touchdown, they, the defense comes on the field, they shut the other team down, and they get the ball back for their offense. That's how you take control of games. There's a couple times now it happened in Atlanta, and it happened twice yesterday, where the Eagles offense would score, and then the defense would let the team come back and score a touchdown right on top of it. And that's that's just not winning defense.
1: And I got one more for you, Ray, and you've alluded to it many times throughout our conversation so far. With the Thursday game coming up, the 3-0 and Packers – a team that has never lost at home on Thursday night football. Are the Eagles in trouble?
0: This week, I think they are. Um, it's really two questions. Are they in trouble this week? Yeah. <laughs> I think anybody would say that. Um, but does, are they in trouble long-term? for the, Is the season endangered? Um, I'm still not prepared to go there yet, because I, I still do believe this is a good team, and you are missing some key players who will be back at some point. Um but it's 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 going to be an uphill fight now. I mean, if you if you fall to 1 and 3 on Thursday, okay, the week after that you've got the Jets, which should be an easy game at home, but then you've got those three straight road games against Minnesota, Dallas and now an undefeated Buffalo team. That's a very tough stretch. That is a very tough stretch. But can this team still make the playoffs? Sure. Because you saw last year, I mean, much later in the season, they looked like they were going nowhere. And they regrouped and they wound up making the playoffs and almost wound up beating the Saints and going to the championship game. So it can happen. But they've made this road a lot more difficult than I think any of us thought it was going to be.
1: Well, there's one thing positive about this week, Ray, is that we get to talk to you three times instead of two because of the Thursday game. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you as always, and we'll preview Eagles-Packers Thursday morning.
0: I look forward to it. Talk to
1: you then, David. Thanks, Ray. Take care. Hall of Famer Ray Dininger of WIP and NBC Sports Philadelphia.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.